0: Maybe we won't get people involved. Maybe we won't put a lot mm. of effort into trying to identify who you were. Maybe in a few weeks' time we'll have left open that vulnerability. And we'll you give can you a ha- job. And you can have another go. Yes, or maybe you can work in our security <laughs> you team. You can join our non-exec team. <laughs> we'll send you a T-shirt. The delivery man might be wearing blue and have a pointed cap.
1: <laughs> Smashing Security, episode 315. Crypto Hacker Hijinx, Government
0: Spyware, and Utah Social Media Shocker, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 315. My name's Graham Cluley.
2: And I'm Carol Terrio. And Carol, we're joined this week by who exactly? By the wonderful Ian Thompson of The Register. Hello, sir.
1: Hello there. Good morning from, from I would nearly said sunny California, but it's chucking down outside at the moment.
2: Yeah, I keep reading about horrific weather in California. Has it been wacky crazy for you? It has
1: been a very wet winter, but bring it on, say I. The reservoirs are filling up nicely. We've got snowpack, record snowpack, in fact, in some areas. The only thing is it's sometimes a bit too snowy.
2: (laughs) Not used to shoveling? (laughs) Well, no. Obviously,
1: we don't get it down in in the Bay Area. But, I mean, a friend of mine drove up to Tahoe, um, and they had to stop and put snow chains on. But there were people getting stranded in the Donner Pass. And you'd think, Donner Pass, you know, that name means something. It's like, if there's a cafeteria along there, check your
0: food. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do they serve Donner kebabs in the Donner Pass? (laughs) You cannot get a decent kebab over here for love and money. I mean... (laughs)
2: Well, before we kick off, let's thank this week's sponsors, Bitwarden, Collide and h It's their support that helps us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got?
0: I'm going to be telling a chaotic chronicle of crypto crime.
2: Ooh, that's hard to say. It is.
1: I'm just going to say, don't do that with a skinful. The Biden administration has kind of banned commercial spyware, but not rip.
2: And uh, I'm going to see what's shaking in Utah. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now,
0: chums, chums, I've got a tale of cryptocurrency crime. Um, I don't know if you are crypto investors. Somehow I doubt that you are, but, you know, surprise me. no. (laughs) Nope, haven't touched it. No.
2: I thought crypto was dead. Is crypto still. No, no, uh, no, 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 no,
0: no, no, no. Lots of people are very, very keen. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason why some people are a little bit skeptical about it. I don't know. Perhaps there is. A couple of weeks ago, hackers managed to steal, I think it's 197 million US dollars worth of cryptocurrency from a lending platform called Eula Finance. Mm. Not that big a deal. Two hundred million dollars, um, according to some records, the twenty-sixth largest crypto theft ever. There is, isn't that kind yeah. of shocking?
2: We have to say this is not real money. Can we agree on that? Well, in
0: some cases, it's real money, isn't
1: it? I mean, if it's converted. But I yeah. mean, at the same time, it's kind of understandable this is happening because to use the off misquoted quote from over here, that's where the money is.
2: Mm.
0: Anyway, it does seem hackers managed to steal around one hundred and ninety-seven million dollars worth of cryptocurrency from Eula Finance and it sent its investors into a blind panic anyone who had their money uh, hidden away over there almost 100% of user deposits were found to be under the hackers control and you hear these kind of stories all the time don't you of crypto firms losing the money or having suffering a vulnerability or wallets mm. being emptied and oh, it's you know it, it's like every few days, there'll be another one of these.
2: For the people who've lost the cash, it's a big effing deal, right? Right.
0: Yeah, it is a big deal. But normally, when these stories happen, you hear about the theft, and that's pretty much the end of the story. Maybe the company goes bust, but... That's true. You know, it, it, it's like, well, whatever happens to that, it's just replaced by another story of cryptocurrency theft. But no, not in this case. This wasn't the end of the story, because a few days after the hack, Eula okay. Finance sent out a message on the old blockchain saying that the hacker could keep 10% of the $200 million that they'd stolen if they would do them the pleasure of returning the rest of the money within 24 hours. So they said, look, we're, we're, we'll let you keep 10%. Please,
2: <laughs> please, pretty please. Does that mean like, we won't report you and we won't get the cops involved if you do this? I imagine they probably haven't identified
0: this person. Uh, they have a means of speaking to them via the chain. They can mm-hmm. chat to them that way, send them encrypted messages. But they're not re- they haven't really got a clue who did it. But they're just sort of saying, "Look, keep some of it, but give the rest back to us. Otherwise, we're we're done for."
2: Well, what would be the you know what would be the uh, the incentive for the? The well, ma-
0: maybe we won't get people involved. Maybe right. we won't put a lot mm. of effort into trying to identify who you were. Maybe in a few weeks' time we'll have left open that vulnerability. And we'll you give can you a ha- job. And you can have another go. Yes, or maybe you can work in our security team. Or <laughs> you can join our non-exec team. <laughs> we'll send you a T-shirt. You know, it, there's all kind of, Yeah, you know, The thing is, once you've get, got them to keep, you know, however much it was, $20 million worth of things, you just keep that for yourself. They may say, look, mm. you know, we'd, we'd like to tie a bow around it. We'd like to send you some merch. Could you give us your name and address? Uh, so we're yeah. delivering this deal. There might be. <laughs> the delivery man might be wearing blue and have a pointed cap. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that didn't happen. The, the money didn't get returned to them. And so 24 hours later, they publicly announced that they were launching a $1 million reward for information leading to the hacker's arrest. This is Euler Finance. This is lately. Euler Finance who did right. this. And you'd normally expect that to be the end of the story. But no, 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 no. That wasn't the end of the story. It wasn't the last you ever heard of this. Because last week, another hacker, someone who'd been linked to a $500 million theft from another Ch- change. <laughs> another <laughs> cryptocurrency firm called Ronin, mm. he, he stole some private keys, he accessed their crypto funds, he made off with funds. He joined the story. Because the Ronin hacker sent an encoded message along with a couple of Ether cryptocurrency to the Eula finance hacker saying to them, Hey, look, I've I've got this message for you. You can decrypt it using this tool on GitHub, Uh. um, using your private key that controls the stolen Eula funds, right? He said, Just to make sure it's. Just to make Mm. sure it's.
2: It's like, it's like handing someone the key and say, okay, now you go, go to the castle and open the door. <laughs> okay. Don't worry about
0: the dragon lying behind. Yep,
2: he's snoozing. <laughs> so, so
0: security analysts were curious about it. So they saw this message and they checked out the GitHub repository for this encryption tool. And they saw that it contained a security vulnerability. And the thought was that the Ronin hacker was trying to do a dirty, trying to fish the Eula mm. hacker. To get their private key, and presumably then steal the funds. Steal the funds from them. So it's hacker versus hacker. Um, so meanwhile,
2: Euler Finance is like, "Hello,
0: well, guys. Euler, fin- Euler Finance, who still want their money back? Of course, or ninety percent of it." Do you know what they did? They told their hacker that he should be very careful about using that encryption tool. Oh, <laughs> they did- they didn't want. <laughs> They didn't want their hacker hacked.
2: But why, why do you groan, Ian? I mean, I probably wouldn't want two hackers having access to my data if I could no, try and avoid no, it. No, but it,
1: it's so, so convoluted and so, I mean, it's ridiculous. we talk about the rewards of sin, but I mean, these people are literally making millions out of this. So it's just, I, I find it incredibly frustrating that they couldn't have sorted their security out in the first place. But still,
0: that's yeah. just me. Yes. Well, that's Um. (laughs) crypto firms born out of nowhere. You know, within a few weeks, they're up and running and their security is not well founded. So there is some weirdness going on in the relationship between the Eula hacker and the Ronin hacker, because there's some evidence that the Eula hacker had previously sent some cryptocurrency to the Ronin hacker. So we, we don't really know what's going on here. Are they part of the same gang? Are they trolling us? Are they... Trying to catch each other out? Is this some kind of crazy false flag trying to get people looking in the wrong direction? It, it's, well, it, it's it's mad. It's it's weird. It kind of made me think about
1: the Poly Networks case. Do you remember that from a couple of years ago? Or what happened there? Uh, well, basically it's a very similar scenario. Um, poly networks um were just basically they got their currency hacked to the tune of 610 million. Um, and then um they were passing this stuff backwards and forwards. This guy took all the money, and yeah. then they sent him a message via via the chain, as as in this case, saying, "Look, return X amount of the funds, and we will pay a bug bounty to you, a significant bug bounty, uh-huh. um, and declare that this is a white hat action, so right. the police won't be so interested." Huh. That really annoyed an awful lot of people, not only <laughs> just at the FBI but also in the security <laughs> community. It's just like right. you can't retroactively say this is a white hat situation. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, in the end, all the funds got returned. Um hmm. and the, the hacker basically decided this was more trouble than it was worth. Um, eventually over the course of fifteen days returned all of the funds. Um and Poly Network, coming back to my original point, she started a bug bounty program about this and is offering a hundred thousand huh. for for new hits. So Yeah, sort your security out, people. You know, get a bug bounty program in place.
0: So I thought at this point it would be the end of the story. I thought there'd be no more to this. But no, because in another twist in the tale, some of the hackers who claim to be involved in the EULA finance exploit have recently been vowing to give detailed information about the other EULA hackers to EULA. So they sent out a message saying well look hey look we've got detailed information about the hacker if you still are offering 10% of the bounty we'll be prepared to give it to you
2: What and information then, on Ronin
0: uh, oh, No no information I, I understand it's come on the here. original <laughs> hack right <laughs> Information on the original EULA finance hacker
2: Oh like so, okay okay so it's like an inside an inside leak I- I-
0: Exactly exactly right. and there's another there's another person as well, claiming to be EULA exploiter number three, and he's posted up an email address and asked EULA to contact them to if they want the bean. So everyone's now, some of them are now saying they're uninterested in the bounty, others are saying they are interested in the bounty, but there's all this information and people pointing in all different directions as to who this hacker could be. Um, and you would think that that would be the end of the story, but no, 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 because now the original EULA hacker has been communicating with EULA Finance saying, I had no intention of keeping what isn't ours. I want us to come to an agreement. And EULA Finance said, okay, look, let's let's talk in private about this. <laughs> you know, you can contact us this Get way. Line.
2: Yeah. Because, you
0: offline. Know, and they've now had over $100 million worth of the stolen cryptocurrency returned to them. Half the funds, yeah. Half of the Mm -hmm. funds so far. And this guy, this hacker, who's now calling himself Jacob, he's posting a message saying, uh, I don't think what I say will help me in any way, but I still want to say it. I f***ed up. He says, I didn't want to, but I messed with others' money, others' jobs, others' lives. I really f***ed up. I'm sorry. I really didn't f***ing mean all that. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. So far, as of this recording, $120 million has been
2: returned. What, because no one will transfer more than 20 mil at a time? Is that the problem? (laughs) Well, I don't know if you've ever tried. (laughs) Sometimes. Oh, yeah, regularly I, I, I shift that kind Maybe of Maybe there are
0: some security checks in place, you know, making it more difficult to move large amounts of funds. Maybe this is as much of a nuisance for the criminals as it is for the rest of us when we try and move money around. I don't know. But for now, that is the end of the story.
2: Elon Musk is going, use my account. Use my account. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Although, apparently, Twitter's now worth half of what it was worth when he bought it.
1: Yes. Well, a
0: less, slightly
1: less than half. But he does say that he believes that it'll be worth $250 billion in, in yes. at, at some point <laughs> in the future. But yes. we know what Musk is like with deadlines and promises. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, cryptocurrency, have I convinced either of you to invest in yes. crypto? I'm
2: yep. I'm going I'm yeah, to do it right now. <laughs>
0: Ian, what's your story for us this week? Uh, Well, as I say, news from across the pond.
1: um, President Biden issued an executive order uh, on Monday, Mm -hmm. uh, which goes by the snappy title of Executive Order on Prohibition on Use by the United States Government of Commercial Spyware that Poses Risk to National Security. Snappy? Yeah, snappy, but also slightly misleading. I mean, basically, the executive order is saying that the US government can't use commercial spyware if it's determined that the spyware is either insecure or it's being run by a company that's hosted in a government which the U.S. considers slightly dodgy, or if it's being used to spy or if the company's products are being used to spy on U.S. citizens. ah, Basically, also, government departments are going to have to drop a list of where they've used this spyware, who they've used it against, and the rest of it. But it's the, the nationality and the sort of, you know, is it being used against U.S. people ones, which I think this one falls down on. Because that's pretty much every commercial spyware vendor, I would have thought. Um, I mean, NSO Group might be able to get away with it. Israel is considered a friendly country over here at the moment. But, you know, it's it, NSO stuff has also been used to spy on US citizens, so that would
0: presumably take it off the list. It just seems it's got so many holes running through it. It seems weird. if it's If it's commercial spyware, then surely someone will have used it against US citizens. Exactly. I mean, you'd think it's 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 utterly bonkers. Also, this was
1: slightly disturbing in that I'd always assumed that the NSA and you know cyber control and that sort of thing roll their own. They don't actually buy from commercial vendors. <laughs> but uh, it appears not. If they felt the need for this executive order, then someone's got to be using it. Yeah.
0: And did you say they also have to create a list of who they've used the spyware against?
1: Uh, no, they've got to create a list of which commercial spyware they've used. Um, so they're not going to have to identify targets, right? Um, but they are. It is going to be have to be assessed as to which departments are using this on a commercial spyware basis.
0: And are they going to keep that list in a secure fashion so it doesn't <laughs> fall into the wrong? Well, <laughs> I got to say, when
1: I read through this yesterday, my first thought was FOIA request. Get it done there. Yeah. That's, right. Uh, <laughs>
2: I don't understand how anyone would know where their spyware actually comes from.
1: Well, I mean, it was commercial then. NSO is based in um, Israel. We've got Gamma. I think it's Gamma International. These companies keep changing their names on a regular basis. It was first based in the UK, and I think it's now in Italy. Um, these companies, as I say, they change their name an awful lot. They
2: move well, around. An and awful locations. Lot. Exactly. Would it be
0: helpful if there was a law which insisted that commercial spyware, upon boot up, upon starting your computer, played the national anthem of the spyware that was operating on your computer?
2: That would. It wouldn't be very good spying, though. I was going to say, no, it's I, a bit I, of a no, giveaway, I suppose that not. one.
0: I suppose. I suppose so. You're right. You're right. Mm. I hadn't thought it's of like, that. like, why, why is my computer playing
1: the <laughs> Saudi Arabian national anthem? <laughs> so, which. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't know if you're Formula One fans, but it was the Saudi Grand Prix last one, and they played the national anthem, and it was amateur hour. I mean, I don't know who they got to do this, but I mean, it looked like sort of the local misfits who didn't know how to play instruments.
0: Just just in case any members of the Saudi royal family are listening to the podcast today, we'd like to explain that. that Those were the views of Ian Thompson, not of the hosts of the podcast. I've spent a week there, and I'm never going back, so that's... They'll come to you. They'll come to you, Ian. <laughs> and.
2: Do you think people, uh, these companies, just getting back to your story, do you think people <laughs> uh, know what spyware they have used in the past? Like they have their own list?
1: Yeah. I mean, presumably they've got invoices. Uh, this is the U.S. government. They've got paperwork for everything.
2: And couldn't U.S. government start using non-commercial spyware to do certain things just to bypass the law?
1: If they are, they're not going to tell us about it. Um, mm. I think it's it's one of these things where, um, you know, if you have to admit that it's there, then that's half the battle lost already.
0: I mean, I have absolutely no doubt that they've got their own stuff. Um, you've well, I suppose, to... I suppose if they don't, if they can't buy commercial spyware to use, they can always ask, like, you know, their nephew, Kevin, or something. <laughs> Maybe you could – you're good at computers. Could you write us some spyware because we need to spy on so-and-so for it. That, that, that would work. But I don't know. I think it would have it worked a while back for heuristics. So your view is that this legislation is it's, – It's a lovely piece of PR
1: uh yeah. it may it may help and frankly i don't think the u.s government should be using commercial spyware because mm-hmm. there's a dual risk there you know it's like you're trusting the spyware to say, no 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 our code only spies on the people that you choose and doesn't have any back doors in there to these highly sensitive government servers which mm. we run which we're running off <laughs> but that's just me i'm sneaky
2: why would a government want to use it do you think other than like you know fbi and that kind of ring like do, do you use it for like bossware you know would that does that fall into this
1: Oh, i don't think I wouldn't have thought so i mean if it's um I think this is basically for targeting targeting intelligence targets mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. maybe domestic it gets tricky if they're actually looking at u s citizens but um you'd need a warrant for that but you know the courts are usually perfectly happy to to pass those warrants out even if they have to be got after the spying went on um <laughs> there is a certain that there is a certain amount of delay that you can uh, that you can build into the process so that you can Intelligence agencies can do the spying and then retroactively ask for permission, and it's usually granted.
0: So for the regular person in the street who might be worried that they're being spied on, whether it be by their government, another government, or, you know, Freddie next door, whoever it Mm -hmm. might be, it's the usual rules that apply. Keep your computer up to date with security patches, patch you know, against vulnerabilities. Be careful what you run on your computer. Run security software. Don't run attachments.
2: Turn your machine off and unplug it from the internet. Exactly. <laughs> Put it in the fridge. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh no, microwave! Always the microwave. It really cleans out those chips. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was a joke.
2: <laughs> Carole, what have you got for us this week? Well. Interesting that you talked about legislation because, you know, I'm regularly advocating for more legislation around social media. You know, I'm always thinking these giants need to be forced to be more accountable for the actions. Right. That's my view.
1: I would like to see some controls on it. I just don't see how they're going to be implemented. Mm -hmm. Honestly, social media is largely a bad thing, but it has its uses. I do you find the, the growth of TikTok to be particularly worrying? But still, that's another story.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's part of the social media family, isn't it? I'll introduce you to Spencer Cox. He's the current governor of Utah. Mm-hmm. And he describes himself as a centrist, moderate, liberal Republican. Okay, this is from Wikipedia. And this is a stance mm-hmm. that has apparently earned him some critics, probably based more on the righty side. Um, But his recent actions have afforded him a much different spotlight. And for this story to have context, you kind of need to know a few things about Utah. One, it's kind of known as the home of Mormons.
1: Church of the Latter-day Saints, as they prefer to be called.
2: Oh, sorry. Okay. Home of the Church of Latter-day Saints. And they make up a large proportion of people who live in Utah and drinking is frowned upon in this church. And maybe that's why the state has some of the most stringent alcohol laws in the land. Like, you can't drink until you're 21, no alcohol can be sold later than 1am under any circumstances, and beer sold at convenience stores, grocery stores is capped at 4%. It used
1: to be the case that if you you wanted to go to a pub, you had to pay a $5 membership fee because it was only allowed in members clubs, which, yeah... It's um it's a very strange sight.
0: Great skiing then. I've never been there. I've never, is it good Ian? Are you a fan of Utah?
1: Oh yeah, I mean I've got relatives out uh-huh. there, so I up in Park City and it's it's literally Olympic class skiing. They did have the Winter Olympics there, I think. And it's it's an oddish sort of a place. Um because it's very clean, the very few homeless. Um uh, but then you do go things like go to the uh, the Mormon a uh, shopping mall, yeah, uh, which is just for Mormon shops. So, had to go in there and look around. Um, and the bookshop is, I mean, the science fiction section was just basically Orson Scott Card because he's the only, you know, really well-known Mormon writer or something. And it's, it was just like, what the hell.
2: <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Now, Gov Cox has a B in his bonnet about social media. He tweeted recently, more than once, actually, that protecting young Utahns from harms of social media is one of our top priorities. Exclamation point, he says. And he writes Utahns. So, U-T-A-H-N-S.
1: Yep. It is a strange state.
2: Yeah. We all know... That protect the kid messaging is nothing new in political campaigns, right? It often resonates well with exasperated parents and guardians. So see what you make of this. Because back in January, Gov Cox held a press conference. And at this conference, he made many statements disparaging social media. Things like, we know that social media causes harm. We know that social media can lead to cyberbullying. He said mental health was taking a beating. And that social media platforms know this, but are doing nothing. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, I would agree with that. And certainly in my echo chamber, that's what I see, right?
0: No, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: And I'm, out, I'm not on it. So I can't really, you know, say from a, from a user point of view, but I stay off it because of those concerns. Mm-hmm. Gov Cox reportedly said that the situation requires action. And late last week, action was taken in the form of a sweeping social media bill. And he says, these are the first of their kind bills in the United States. That's huge, he says. So these two laws are collectively known as the Social Media Regulation Act, and they are to take effect on March 1st, 2024, so in less than a year. The first bill, SB 152, requires social media companies to verify the age of any Utah resident with an account on their services. Okay. How are they going to do that? Actually, that's still very nebulous. Listen to this. One of the stipulations is that under eighteens will have to get permissions to sign up for an account. It's the first state law in the nation that will prohibit social media service from allowing users under eighteen to have the accounts, you know, without explicit consent of their parent or guardian. But how do you do that without asking everyone their age? Yeah. Now at the moment, under COPA law, which is the child protection or privacy laws, you have to kind of basically ask the user how old are you? And if they say I'm 56, then you have to believe them. That's, you know, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is going to demand people probably handing in um, proof of age, probably driver's licenses, passports, credit cards, credit cards,
1: and all this creates an enormous volume vault of information, which is just what hackers are looking for.
2: Right. And it also creates a lot of legit information, which may be useful to social media companies, because a lot of people spoof information there, don't they? Oh, yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Mm. As you can imagine, there's a lot of um, privacy advocates that are very much against this because they're saying, well, you're basically taking away the right to be anonymous online. Yep. Right? Mm hmm. Also, part of this law is parents can see everything you post. So say they agree, they say, "Okay, you can have an account. Parents can see every post and message. What do you think about that? Because these are kids. These are people that are not considered adults.
1: Yes. I mean, I do think there are some things parents shouldn't know about what their children get up to online. But um, Hmm. I can see parents loving it, certainly.
2: No, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, you know, so say, you know, five kids have diaries. I'm sure one or two parents are going to snoop and read it. Mm. And I'm sure the other three would never dream of doing that unless there was a mega problem. Yeah.
1: But as you said, Snoop, this is the the essential side of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I just think the kids aren't going to be happy
0: with this. Surely what the kids will do is they'll have an older brother or sister in their early 20s and they'll say, can I borrow your ID? Mm -hmm. Mm Because I want to create an Instagram account or whatever it may be. Yeah,
2: but maybe they'll do like only one account per ID. Yeah,
0: could be. Um Maybe, but I think there'd just be a flourishing black market for fake ID. I mean, it's not as though kids haven't got fake ID before to uh, pretend to be older than they really are.
2: Yeah.
1: Very common over here, yes. It's one of these things where it's kind of like mice holding a vote to say, yes, make sure the cat has a bell around its neck. Now, how do we do it? Uh, We haven't worked that one out yet. (laughs) It just, it seems like one of those, it looks like a PR stunt. And there's also... Mm. I don't know if you're going to go on to this girl, but the curfew aspect.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's the other one as part of SB 152 is that um, basically parents have to allow a kid if they want to do any social media between 10.30 p.m. and 6.30 a.m. when Governor Cox thinks you probably should be in bed. Oh, so you'll have to get your parents permission to be on
0: social media in the hours of darkness. When all yeah. the satanic yeah. stuff happens on social media, because of course nothing bad happens during the day. It's only after <laughs> ten o'clock at night. Um, <laughs> although I suppose it's it's more being done for them to get some sleep. Is that is that the thought?
2: Yeah, but the bills are signed now. Of course, lots can happen between the bill signing and the actualization of the the law, which is mm. you know again March first next year. Um, and there's no surprise that privacy advocates are pointing out the identity verification rules, take away rights to use the services anonymously because you have to verify every user agent. I don't know. Do you think we should have a right to be legally anonymous on social media? It's a um, difficult one. I think, yeah. it,
0: I think it'd be terrible to lose anonymity on the internet. There's lots of good stuff and resources people can use, people who never have a very legitimate reason to remain private.
2: On social media sites as well, eh?
1: I think so. This is one of the things I liked about Twitter's verified accounts because they were at least somewhat verified. But we kind of, with Graham on this one, there is a need for anonymity, for, a, for even just a desire for anonymity. Yeah. The old advice I used to get from Guy Cuny was, "You never post anything online you couldn't cheerfully justify to your local newspaper." <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> anonymity is important, but also, I think, with the curfew, how is that going to be enforced? It's it'll down to ISPs, and they can't say right. It's ten thirty one. Let's switch off all the social media and YouTube. Yeah, 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 you're right. um, Because people have got exceptions,
0: so I'm not quite sure how that's going to work either. This is why. This is what interests me about this: is why is this guy actually doing this? Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel to me like it's he's actually going to come up with the answers as to how this will be implemented. It feels to me like he's saying, look, I'm going to do this first of all because it's good for my image because the parents who are going to vote for me, hopefully, will be <laughs> supportive of what I'm saying here is that social media is corrupting our kids, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I I'm being too. tough yep. on it. The other thing is he's basically saying, yeah. not my problem. This is the law. This is the legislation. You social media companies, you work out how the hell yeah. you're going to implement this. And if you can't,
2: yeah, he says he's going to work with them. But right, I think he's going to be asking them to come up with a solution.
0: And if they can't, what's going to happen? They're going to get fined, or there's going to be some form of action against them, isn't there?
2: Tell me um, the the second bill. I want to know if you think it's a sweetener for kids. Okay. Second bill HB three eleven requires social media companies to ensure that they are not designed to cause minors to become addicted to them. And it gives Utah miners the right to sue social media companies if they believe they've become addicted or otherwise somehow harmed by a social media platform they have an account on.
0: Well, this one I'm right behind. I love the idea of all these teenagers now (laughs) suing the social media companies oh, well, I've become addicted as well to this TikTok nonsense. Yeah. it's going to cripple the social media companies if that's <laughs> if that's allowed, isn't it?
1: Well, I mean, the guy from us who uh, Tom Clayman, who covered this uh, for the Reg, was he had a lovely line here. It's um, okay when it comes to suing. It's just like whether letting parents do social media platforms for ostensibly addicting their kids. Will improve adolescent mental health, or may these serve as a college funding option remains to be seen.
2: Brilliant. Keep
1: tapping Alice, we need forty more instances of harm to cover your next four years at school.
2: Fantastic. It's,
1: but I mean, also, it's going to be easy enough to prove because the whole point of social media design is to pull you yeah. in and to make you yeah. use more and more yeah. and more. That's sort of built into the fundamental essence of the platforms.
2: Well, understandably then, maybe they're saying, hey, you better take this seriously. Otherwise, we're going to prohibit kids from using it without parents uh, yeah. you know, saying, okay. And they're not alone, right? This is not the only state. Utah is the first one to pass it. But Arkansas legislation is looking to introduce a similar bill that would require social media networks to verify users' ages and obtain explicit parental consent for people under 18. There's one in Texas that's even more stringent. It would ban social media accounts for minors, period. I've got a
0: question. So they're doing this, right? So parents have to give the kids permission. (laughs) When are we going to start implementing a system whereby the grown-up parents, the grandparents, have to ask permission, maybe from the kids, (laughs) maybe from their own children, (laughs) in order to go on social media? Shouldn't we have some more policing regarding the rest of us? Why aren't we all being protected? You just want some of that sweet Facebook cash, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of people who shouldn't be on social media who are reading all that nonsense all the time and uh, could do with taking a break.
2: I agree, Graham. I agree.
0: Yes. Why do, do, do you say Graham there? Graham. Was that pointed?
2: No. But yes, but no. This episode is sponsored by h Are cyber threats negatively impacting your business? Unleash powerful fraud protection for your online properties with HCAPTCHA Enterprise, the leading security ML platform. HCAPTCHA adapts to detect and block even the most sophisticated attacks, keeping you ahead of evolving threats. Whether your bad actors are human or automated, HCAPTCHA Private Learning is the solution easily combine your pre-blinded data with H-CAPTCHA's thousands of signals to rapidly find fraud and abuse in real time. H-CAPTCHA's privacy-focused design works in every country, giving you worry-free compliance. Visit smashingsecurity.com slash that's H-C-A-P-T-C-H-A, to get started with a free trial today. And thanks to Capture for sponsoring the show.
0: Our friends at Bitwarden have been busy this month
2: adding some fab new
0: features to their open source password management solution. Now, did you know that you can log into Bitwarden using a secondary device instead of your master password? Well, now you do. (laughs) Logging in with a device is a passwordless approach to authentication. It removes the need to enter your master password by sending authentication requests to other devices you're currently logged into for approval. With login for device, it can be initiated on the web vault, browser extension, desktop app, mobile app, and you can approve access on your mobile and desktop app version of Bitwarden. Very, very cool. And the Bitwarden team has hardened the security of its vaults, protecting new vaults with 600,000 iterations by default. And of course, existing accounts can also update themselves to the same level. These and many other great security features are incorporated all the time into Bitwarden, keeping your password secure from hackers. Learn more. Try Bitwarden for yourself at bitwarden.com slash Smashing. That's bitwarden.com
2: slash smashing. Our sponsor Collide has some big news. If you're an Okta user, then you can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How? If a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Insecure devices are logging into your company's apps, but there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agents detect a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Want to learn more? Of course, you do. Visit Collide.com slash smashing. That's Collide.com slash smashing. And thanks to Collide for sponsoring the show. And welcome back. Can you join us at our
0: favourite part of the show? The part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses saying like, could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related, necessarily. Better not be. (laughs) Well, two weeks ago, I took you on a trip to Bollywood, and I... Oh, I told you how wonderful a movie from 50 years ago, nearly 50 years ago, Sholay is. Now, I'm not going back as far in time this time. I'm going back to last year. Uh-huh. One of the most expensive Indian films ever made. According to The Guardian, one of the best films from any country, which was produced last year. So it's in their top 10 films of the year. And it's called? It is called. Well, I'm not sure what it's called. Oh. I can tell bah. you <laughs> because I don't know how... T- I don't know how to say it. It's three letters. It's R-R-R. So is that r -r -r. Is it R-R-R? Or is it triple R? I don't know.
2: I can't help you. Um, I'm
0: sorry. But it's the letters R-R-R. And it is a fantastic action movie. It is set. It's an epic saga set in pre-independent India. So it's basically uh, the Indians versus the British Raj. Um, Once again, the British are the enemy. Quite right, too. Two Indian men on opposite sides of the political divide. One is working for British forces as a cop. The other one is trying to rescue a girl who's been kidnapped from his local village. And it is bonkers. (laughs) It is as action-packed as any Hollywood movie you've seen in years. The plot seems pretty straightforward, though, no? sometimes the simplest plots are the best.
2: That's true. That's true.
0: These two guys start off as enemies, then become the very best of friends, and then become mortal enemies again. There's a lot of twists along the way. I don't want to give it away because this movie lasts three hours. Did you stay awake for the whole thing? It's another long movie. I stayed awake and there was even CGI. I even stayed awake during the enormous amount of CGI because there's tigers and animals and crazy action scenes. Yeah, This must be the only film I've ever seen where someone is giving someone else a piggyback um, because he's hurt his feet. And the guy on top has got the machine guns and is shooting people left, right and centre as he's being carried, (laughs) run along on someone's piggyback. And they're doing jumps and they're climbing up ladders, again, on piggyback from each other. It is nuts. Now, there are a couple of grisly scenes which I think make it... There's a... Unpleasant scene, not for kids, I'd say, which is a shame because otherwise this would have been great for kids. Triple or R or RRR gets my pick of the week. Great movie. And it's on Netflix. Did I say that? It's on Netflix. You can watch it for free. Watch it tonight. Go on. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> Ian, what's your pick of the week?
1: Uh, well, actually, I stumbled across this one, uh, across this one last night and was giving it a reread. Uh, it's a book called He Died with a Falapple in His Hand by the Australian author John Birmingham. Um, Subtitled Hilarious True Stories of House Sharing Hell. And I, but Terry Pratchett thought it was his book of the year when it came out. And he has a lovely quote on the back You'll read it with horrified amusement, and if you've ever shared a flat, the occasional wince of recollection. <laughs> now, not in this case. I mean, considering this is a guy who basically spent 10 years going from house share to house share in Northern Australia. And some of the stories are just, I've stayed in some really grotty houses, but I have never seen a board put up in the bathroom with the longest pubic hair pulled out of the shower drain um, and a competition to see who could get the longest one. You know, it's that kind of descent into madness.
2: I think I can beat that. Really? I once stayed with a friend in an apartment Mm -hmm. like overnight, just one night, and there was a um, Stain on the television, a man stain oh, on the no. television, a dried man stain on the television. What? Yes.
1: That's- <laughs> oh, good grief, that's just gross. I mean, yeah, okay, nothing quite that bad, but um, <laughs> lots of stories. I One thing I, I've forgotten about, apparently the Australians call um, weed or jazz cigarettes or whatever you want to call it, but call them cones. Oh, because uh, they roll a big cone and then just yeah, it's it's a very an awful lot of drug fueled mayhem. The title itself comes from a sort of housemate who was crashing with them for a couple of days um, and went out for a falafel, came back, injected heroin, and died on the floor. Oh, uh, and so he died with the falafel in his hand. Became the title, which was um.
2: Cheery. Cheery, but
1: also, it's, it's one of those books, when I first bought it, I was reading it on the underground, and it was one of the books that actually made you laugh out loud when you were reading oh, it. Oh, brilliant. Um, and I looked up, and there was a bloke staring at me, and he reached into his bag, and he pulled out <laughs> a copy of the same book. So he was like, brilliant,
0: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a lovely moment. And Ian, I've just looked it up on the internet, there's a movie version of it. Really? There's no, no I didn't know this. that. There's an Australian comedy drama film.
1: Oh, good Lord. They'd have to either put a very heavy
0: rating on that or to tone it down a bit. Came out 20 years ago, so you can go and check it out if you want. And a graphic a, a graphic novel version as well. I don't so. think I want the graphic novel version to be quite... <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a bit too graphic.
2: <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Excellent.
2: Crow, what's your pick of the week? Well, mine, uh, my pick of the week uh, should be Root Canal. Because I had root canal yesterday, and yeah. let me tell you, a hell of a lot of nerve pain before. And actually, I, I love root canal because I was in a lot of pain until I had the the very expensive procedure, which has allowed me to talk today. So you're you're all right now. You're you sound okay. Yeah, I good. sound great. I sound great. I'm a little sore. I feel like someone sucker punched me in the jaw. Hmm. But otherwise, however, I uh, decided to instead uh, select a single episode of a new series called Swarm, which I found streaming on Amazon Prime. Now, here's the blurb. Swarm is an American satirical psychological horror thriller. Okay, television series created by Janine Nabbers and Donald Glover. Okay, and all I can say is holy reefing crapola. Okay, the end of the first episode is like capital D dark and unpredictable and kind of nasty. So it's played by Dominic Fishback. She plays Dre, and you cannot take your eyes off her. Like, she's unusual, gripping lead. I loved her, loved her, loved her. And she's this young, aimless girl, gaga for a pop store. Like, when I say gaga, I mean she's totally obsessed. And this obsession leads her to take uh, a dark turn, and then another darker turn, and then one that she'll never recover from. And that's just episode one! well good grief (laughs) it felt like a whole movie in itself i'm nervous as hell about where it's gonna go next so i haven't watched it in the last two nights i'm not sure i can watch more but i'm still recommending episode one again viewer caution not for kids right what's it called again (laughs) cross swarm swarm Swarm. streaming on amazon prime you've been warned It's funny too, right? They're a funny bit.
1: Okay, I thought for a second you were going to say the swarm, the terrible Michael Caine film.
0: Oh, (laughs) um, I remember
2: seeing that at the cinema
0: way back then. Yes,
1: it's hilariously bad. I mean, I know he was getting hit by the tax authorities left, right, and centre, but Killer Bees. You know when you know this (laughs) sickly trained out, It's just like comes up. But the bees have always been our friends, and it's just like, oh God, Michael. I remember
2: that. That's I watched that as a kid and it scared the living shit out of me. I used to have nightmares. Really? Like they're coming up from South America through America, terrifying. aren't they? I, yeah. And yeah. I lived in Canada and I was petrified. That's right. Yep. I don't know how old I was. I'm sure it was under 10. Well, there was a whole
1: swathe of films like that. If you ever get the chance see Night of the Lepus, which is about rabbits hiding in a abandoned nuclear radioactive nuclear waste dump suddenly turn giant and start biting people's heads off. It's It's just amazing. (laughs) I mean, all I can assume is that in the pitch meeting for the film, everyone was doing a lot of cocaine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. That's my pick of the week. Swarm, now streaming on Amazon Prime. Watch with caution.
0: Bonkers. Well, thank you very much, Carole and Ian. That just about wraps up the show for this week. Ian, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to find out what you're up to?
1: Um, best thing is uh, theregister.com for our general stuff. And for the, at least the next week, I'll be on Twitter. That's uh, Ian Thompson. <laughs> at, well, they're taking away my blue verified tag on April 1st. So I'm just kind of like... Should I really still be supporting this site? I don't know. It's all going a bit a
0: bit Pete Tong, to be honest. I'm pleased they're taking away my verified tag. I don't want them mixing me up with the people who are paying for the verified badge. The mouth breathers. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No gene, nor any verified tick twitter wouldn't us to have a g smashing security also has a mastodon account find it at SmashInsecurity.com slash mastodon and don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode follow smashing security in your favorite podcast apps such as spotify apple podcasts and overcast
2: and big, massive shout out to this episode's sponsors, Bitwarden, Collide, and HCAPTCHA, and of course to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to you all, this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest list, and the entire back catalog of more than 314 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio, bye bye. Bye bye. Goodbye. <laughs> know in uh you know you said that going pete tong yeah yeah so pete tong like he's a dj in the uk for those days, hmm. right P- D- what in the 80s uh
1: he was 90s, 90s? still going uh, i saw him when he was over here last
2: my with- um i don't know what i call it aunt-in-law <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> she dated him really yes oh she wow she was his hottie okay. for a bit when she was that
1: celebrity shag can boast about isn't yeah.
2: is, that's that's pretty close i gotta say <laughs> I had a,
0: I had a girlfriend who the previous person she shanked before me was I um, know oh I've forgotten his name. <laughs> <laughs>